This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Manny Cotto, executive producer of Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. How we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5. This is episode number 169. Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. Brandon. That's my job. Look, we invited you over to the house for dinner here, and we invited you as a guest, but, like, you know, don't overstep the boundaries here, buddy, okay? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just got, like, really excited, and I really wanted to, like, just do the show. But, no, please, please. You're right. I'll take a back seat. Go, okay, you, okay. you do it. Take well, it I me. mean, we're we're happy to have you. We are really thrilled that you're on here. I mean, like Literary Treks is my, you know, my favorite podcast to listen to on the network. That's the that's the one that I contribute my my funds to for my Patreon. But like, and we thank just, you for that. It's it's my favorite show too. <laughs> Warp Five isn't your favorite show. Uh, I've listened to it before. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome. So thanks for thank you for gracing us with your presence, Bruce. Here. So. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5. I'm your host, Brandon Shane-Mutella, and joining me is a very special guest, Bruce Gibson. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, Brandon, thank you for having me, and thank you to all the listeners here supporting me being on the show right now. I bet it's a big surprise that I just jumped on. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. But also is our ever-constant, wonderful co-host, Brandy Jacola. How are you doing, Brandy? I'm just peachy keen, thanks. How are you? I am doing very good, and uh, we are short one Patrick Devlin tonight because he is on vacation with his family. I believe he's on a cruise, a Disney yes. cruise, if I remember yes, correctly. So he is not here today, and uh, we wish him the best, and we wish him a wonderful, happy, joyous, mouse-filled time. Like Mickey Mouse, not like Little Mice in his food or anything like that. That sounded weird. That didn't come out quite right. There. That's what I'm talking about. Keep going. Is this live from the edge? I'm confused. No, it's live from the boom. Live from the boom. and then But it's not live because we post it later. Yeah. Anyways, we're kind of having a little fun tonight because we've got some fun topics for you today. But before we jump into our actual episode... Brandy, did you want to read some comments on our last episode that was aired, which was episode 167? Yes, episode 167, Massive Dictator. Uh, Here are some wonderful comments from our listeners. Chris Hill says, Another great writer's room, Patrick and Brandy. If either of you guys has your notes from this one and or past ones, I would like to see them. I would like to piece them together into a story to add to and enhance my Enterprise experience. I really enjoy your takes and additions to Enterprise. Which is most kind. Thank you, Chris. Um... I have notes somewhere. They're very, very sloppy and very, very messy. I would have to type them up and to give them to you. Uh, I will try to do that at some point. Uh, Also, William J. Jackson says, Love how y'all are laying out a season five of Enterprise. I wonder if your latest writing might have a space in it for Earth to begin the process of building the Daedalus class, since having two or three Warp 5 ships is a detriment considering what nearby empires can throw our way. Hmm. Fair point. Good idea. Mm, interesting. Something to explore. The Daedalus class is a neat-looking ship design. 
Yeah. There's a book that actually gives you a really good image of it. Uh, it was a compilation of 12 chapters that were released over a long period of time, uh, like over a year, actually, and it was written by Michael Jan Friedman uh, called Starfleet Year One. And it actually, it's kind of funny because it came out, I think, about a year or two before Enterprise did, but it's mm. a completely different tangent. And on the cover of the book that compiled all 12 chapters uh, is a Daedalus-class ship, which you can also see in the back of Cisco's office. Ooh, mm-hmm. very nice. You can nice. see that ship on screen. I was not aware of that. And then we have one final comment from Janet Lee, who says if I can get my cursor in the right place. As someone who loves fan fiction, I'm so happy the writer's room is one more place I can get my fix, especially stuff like this that explores ramifications of previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Bruce, as a reader of the book, like, what do you think about fan fiction? Do you read any of that stuff? Wow, it's so funny you just asked me that because my daughters were asking me about what a Mary Sue was yesterday <laughs> in fan fiction. And then my one daughter actually went online and found the original Mary Sue story of Trek, which really was bad. Um, I don't read a lot of fan fiction because uh, I don't know what's good or bad. If somebody were to recommend something to me, I'll read it. Mm-hmm. But I used to subscribe to fanzines and used to write for one kind of briefly and there was just some weird stuff in there so i someone really has to recommend something because i i i can't go through it all and figure out what's really good and what's not Mm -hmm. yeah there's so much out there it's craziness there's a lot so uh well in addition to our comments on the babel conference we received two new emails and uh, i'd like to read them out to you here so uh the first one is a message from brandon hausen And he says, hello, booming hosts of Warp 5. I've been listening to your podcast for several weeks now and have been enjoying each episode. Brandy, love your laugh. I do too. So... I'm glad somebody does. Just she's going to hold back. (laughs) No, No. don't hold back. It's not possible. Just recently listened to the episodes about the Shockwave arc, and there's a thought that kind of peeves me in relation to the arc. Sometime during the show's run, network executives wanted Archer killed off because they didn't like the character, which I think almost happened in Zero Hour, which was the season three finale. And I've, I've heard a little bit of grumblings about this, uh, but luckily it didn't happen. It was pointed out in Azadi Prime, Zero Hour, and especially Shockwave, just how important Archer is to the history within Star Trek. And I think if they had gone through with it, It would be, in a way, like a big screw you to the fans, the franchise, the people who worked with each show and film, and perhaps even Roddenberry himself with all the work put into the franchises throughout the decades. I may be wrong and things would have been fine, but Shockwave would seem to show that may not be true. Anyway, it's just a thought I have regarding network interference, and they probably should have just let the cast and crew do their thing like the studio had the previous incarnations. Anyway, please continue talking about the NX-01 making history with every light year. Awesome. Thank you so much for the feedback, uh, Brandon. Thank you for finding the show, and thank you for listening along, and thank you for sending an email. We really appreciate it. It, uh, It's pretty cool when we get emails. I love it. Yes. Excellent. I love it too. Yeah, I wish we would get them on literary tracks, but we don't get enough of those. Well, I, I don't want to send it to you because you guys have enough to read with all the books. That's true. We have so much reading to do that people realize that, and they say maybe we shouldn't send them an email. they got too much to read. And you know what they could do instead is send a voicemail. And you could do that to Warp 5, too. You could use speakpipe.com slash trekfm. I think it still works. I don't know if it does or not. Because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had one in so long. Hint. Hint, listeners. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Uh, well, we got another we got another email here, and uh, it's from William Watson, and we actually had a comment from William last week here. And William, I think he's going through the show for the first time, because last week he made the comment on the Little, the Little Things episode, and he says, So Enterprise is your third favorite Star Trek series. Yikes. I find it a lot harder to listen to your show now. If you like the pompous lecturing of the other Star Trek shows then go host a show about them. I love uh, these emails. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) These are just the two that we got this week. Well, and I responded. And then I, you know, what's funny is that, so we're recording this on the 15th of October on the night. And I actually at work today listened to the episode that we recorded last week that you guys have probably already heard. And it's funny because we actually talk about the rankings of shows and how like, which, you know, and I actually even say in that episode, what I'm about to say is that, 
you know, some shows got to be in the middle and some shows got to be at the top and some shows got to be at the bottom. But in my opinion, I don't think my love of the show could be questioned by anybody just because Enterprise is my third favorite. Doesn't mean I don't love it. I just would rather grab an episode of D Space Nine and I would rather grab an episode of the original Star Trek and then I would choose Enterprise, you know, but it doesn't mean I love it. And, you know, I don't I don't think that affects my my ability to talk on the show. So I, I hope that you continue to listen along, William, and I hope you'll find out that you'll you'll see this as the show goes on. And you'll you're if you're listening along for the first time, you're gonna get to some great interviews that we've had and and you know, I've had some great discussions on a lot of wonderful topics and you know, I don't want to give up Warp 5. I'm sticking around with Warp 5. I was a little deject- dejected when Floyd decided to leave, and and uh, I was actually contemplating leaving because I was having so much fun doing the show with Floyd. But, you know, now I'm having a different kind of fun with Brandy and Patrick, and I don't want to go anywhere because I'm having a great time talking about Enterprise, and, you know, I love it. Yeah, it's my third favorite, but I still love the show. So that's my that's my little thing there. Unless, of course, he was actually talking about Brandy. He didn't say... I have never actually spoken of my (laughs) rankings of Star Trek series because I feel like that's making me choose between the children that I don't have. I know you've said that before that you don't like to rank things. So that's how I know it's, it's gotta be me because, and again, because of the previous message where he had just was listening to episode 90, 99, I think it was just before that. So, but anywho, excellent. Bruce, what do you think? It sounds like you need to find another show. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be your top favorite. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, I can't really rank the series, the different series, because it just depends what mood I'm in. Sometimes I sit down and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm in the mood for TNG or I'm in the mood for Enterprise or whatever. I don't really have a favorite series, but... Mm. I mean, like you said, even though it's number three, it's still a favorite, you know, you're still passionate and you still love it and you're still into it. So you Mm -hmm. should definitely be a good representative here on the show for sure. Right on. Excellent. Um, And then for people listening, I guess we'll jump into this here. As of the airing of this, um, I should be rapidly approaching the Northeast Trek Convention in Albany, New York. So it starts today as of the dropping of this episode, uh, October 26th. And uh, I've got a tight schedule, a tight weekend there, but I'm scheduled to appear on stage on Sunday at noon in Albany there. And it's going to be a panel with the Trek geeks, Bill and Dan, and Sue Kissenweather from Women at Warp. And it's going to be moderated by Garrett Wong. So I'm pretty excited about that. And it's going to be a podcast on panels, or sorry, a a panel on podcasts. So we'll be talking about podcasting and and stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Ken Tripp from Standard Orbit and I will be there all weekend. We're going to have a table set up in the vendors room. So please come on down and say hello. We'd love to see you guys. We'd love to talk Star Trek. Doesn't have to just be about Enterprise. Can be about any of the Star Treks. So it'll be a a lot of fun. and, And we look forward to meeting some of you guys down there so please come on down and say hello we'd love to we'd love to say hello to you guys down there so i guess that's about all the news and the feedback and everything that we got hey brandy should we should we jump into our topic today with both feet yes excellent right on well we had a topic idea chosen but uh, i decided to change it last minute and i haven't told our guests yet or even my co-host so i'm just kidding no (laughs) just kidding just kidding what that's a nasty look you're giving me that's a nasty look, Brandy. Uh, actually, what we're talking about today is we wanted to do a rewrite of an episode. And, you know, I, I for the listeners, sometimes we have episodes that we, like, plan a lot for. But I'm going through a crazy, hectic time right now where I've got a lot of stuff on my plate. And so we've kind of had to pick some episodes that we don't need a lot of pre-planning for. So I hope you're still enjoying the shows. And I'm still having a lot of fun talking about them. But tonight we're doing a rewrite of These Are the Voyages. And we we know that there's been a whole book series about them, but we're not going to even touch that. What we're going to do is we're just going to write this as a fourth season finale, okay? And we're just going to go from there. So what would we have wanted for These Are the Voyages? Because, you know, people have talked about, you know like how they would wish the series would have ended and whatnot, and they really think Demons and Terra Prime would have ended. Do you, do you think that's okay? Or 
do you guys want to write this as a 10th season finale where we take some of these things that are going and things have changed over the past 10 years? What do you guys think? How do we want to rewrite this? Bruce, let's start with you. Well, I guess my approach, because I rewatched the episode again yesterday, um, I was thinking if that script was put in front of me and I thought it's not going to work, how would I rework it? So I was kind of taking the approach of reworking the episode and not a total rewrite of it because I'd like to use certain elements of it. So I like the idea of working TNG into it in some capacity, but not as heavy as what it was in that episode. So we can make it as a fourth season episode at the end or a 10th season. I'm open either way. Because the books, when they rewrote it, they kept it as a fourth season, early fifth season kind of idea, right? They, right. they disregarded the, the six-year gap. And they took a lot of the elements of, they disregarded the holodeck stuff, but they took a lot of elements of the story and took, made it take place there. Yes. Like it was, a, it was like a mistake or a cover up that holodeck program doesn't take place in 2161. It actually takes place in 2155, I guess, or 5455. And so, yeah, so that's what the novel approach was. So. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I feel like it should still stick at 2161 for So you want purposes. the tenure? Brandy, what do you think? I can see the value of the arguments either way. I feel like, see, un unlike Bruce, I want to get rid of all of the TNG stuff. Every last bit of it. Because okay. I felt that that was unfair to the series standing on its own. And it just, it's not that I don't love TNG. I do. But this was Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the other series didn't have another series jumping in on their series finale. So why should it happen to Enterprise? But if it's done in a tasteful way and I trust Bruce, then I might be okay with it. <laughs> but yeah. I think. So See the, the again the original idea with them having the next generation on them is they wanted a, a love letter to the fans and their their thought process behind it, which we as fans think it fell flat, was that TNG is basically considered the most popular one, and it is like I'm, it's not my favorite, but I know that it is most people's favorite Star Trek series. You know, it if we didn't have TNG, I don't think that we would have the Star Trek that we have. A lot of people associate it to. You know, Star Trek 2, but on, honestly, like, yes, while Star Trek 2 is a massive stone in the pillar of Star Trek and it's necessary to get where we got, if we didn't get Star Trek The Next Generation, I really think that that is the largest block in all of Star Trek. If we didn't have Next Generation, we wouldn't have anywhere, anything that we have, because it probably would have ended with 5, you know, and like, had the movies not continued, that probably would have been it. So... I don't know. That's my thought process. We don't have to have the next generation. I'm not no. quite sure what I wanted, but we, no, yeah. I mean, we don't. We don't have to. I mean, we can do anything we want to do. The only thing I want to add to your comment on that is, at the time, I remember they were saying it was also the end of the run of mm -hmm. continuous Star Trek. So you yeah. started with the next generation, and there was always new Star Trek on every year. So this wasn't. They were viewing. They were. Looking at this as not being necessarily just the last episode of Enterprise, but the last Star Trek episode in this run for right. whatever it was, 18, 19 18 years. years. Yeah. So I kind of liked that, and I know that Enterprise deserves its own finale, but I, I feel like they could have done it, but just not so heavy with mm -hmm. TNG in it. I okay. like to look at it as maybe bookends at the beginning and at the end of like a framing story to it. Okay, so let me ask you this. What if we had, a, like, I was, I was bouncing around this idea in here, and I like the idea of it being a, a love letter to the fans, but what if we took it a little bit further, and what if we got all the series involved somehow? What if we had some type of time travel story that would end up with all of the captains being involved somehow? Janeway, Cisco, Picard... Kirk and Archer. Maybe somehow through the temporal cold war, even though it kind of ended or something to that effect. Not according to the movie we wrote. 
<laughs> we could do that. Okay, so we could incorporate the Temple Court. Actually, you know what? That really perked me, and I actually got an excited feeling when you said that. Because, yes, yes the Temporal Cold War, to a lot of people, was not satisfactorily concluded for most people for the run of the show. So maybe we could somehow, you know, have a Temporal Cold War finale and and where it spills out and weird things happen... And thus, all the captains get involved somehow. Like, it spills out into all of the timelines somehow. Yeah, it's almost as if instead, uh, maybe it's Archer trying to fight the Temporal Cold War and go after the the mystery guy. And, and there's a lot involved in the Enterprise time frame, but for some reason... Uh, Archer jumps through a portal to get something or whatever and ends up in the 24th century and there's our captains there and they go on some little brief mission or something and then Archer comes back. That's what, And him coming back, that that way you stay on Enterprise as much as you can, but as he, maybe he's leaping through portals, he ends up in the 24th century and meets Picard, Janeway, and Sisko. What if them, they have to come back to our timeline? Because again, this is a finale for our show. So maybe it's, uh, I guess what I'm worried about is if they came in our timeline, it'd be fine if they were there briefly, but I wouldn't want them through the whole episode. No. I mean, I, first of all, I think it would be cool, but mm-hmm. it takes away from Enterprise, like Brandy was saying, and it becomes less of a, a an episode that focuses on the crew, and it's going to now just focus more on these four captains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandy, what do you think? Again, arguments for both ways are compelling. I like the idea of involving all of the captains. Um, If we don't want to take the focus off of the Enterprise crew, there's a possibility of Archer still going through these futures, but maybe not necessarily interacting with these captains. Maybe he has to do things on the down low. And so he's trying to avoid running into people who could possibly know who he is from history. (laughs) And so he's like sticking to the lower deck stuff or just, I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to mention something to Bruce here that might spark an idea from him here. So two of my favorite Star Trek novels that involved some type of time travel. And while I realize one of them is not quite time travel, it is a little bit. Um, I really liked, actually, Dayton Ward's... Uh, I don't remember the title of it. The one where the older Next Generation crew meets the fourth season Next Generation crew from another timeline. And they had Yar on the other timeline and no Picard and whatnot. Do you remember this book? Yes, because I know we did it on the show, but I can't remember exactly. Yeah, it's, I can reach over here and grab it because I've got my books here, so I'll grab that. And the other one is No Time Like the Past, I believe it was called, which is the one where Seven of Nine goes back in time with Kirk. Yeah, I really like that book a lot too. So I almost think that maybe something like that could work where they end up back in time with Archer and they have the Archer. The That's what I was thinking uh, no time like the past kind of idea. Okay, but let me so, grab. Okay, as you're grab grabbing the, other the book, Ward book. One second. Yes. Here. So as you're doing that, here's what I'm thinking. We said temporal cold war. Somehow the temporal temporal cold war gets involved with the Romulan war and is changing the history of the Romulan war. Oh my goodness! To yes. the point that the four, the three captains from the 24th century come to correct the timeline and intercept themselves with the Enterprise crew of the NX-01. I love it. The t- yes. connecting of the Temporal Cold War with the wrong... I love that. Absolutely. That is amazing. Mm, uh, I'll hold up the book. Headlong here. Flight is the one I was thinking of. Yes. Headlong so Flight. So Headlong Flight was that the one. That won an award for Dayton Ward, too. So. Yeah. Okay. Now, so... Oh, this is that's got me really excited. That's a great we've idea. Because we've been wanting Romulan War, and we didn't get that in this series. Yes. yes. Okay, so then maybe... So is this... This is maybe near the end of the Romulan War, or what? What oh, What if... Okay, so... Oh, okay, 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 so... Yeah, go, go, <laughs> Breathe, go. breathe, breathe. <laughs> so the, the final episode of Enterprise with the tenure was supposed to be the like it was it was happening right before the signing of the charter yeah okay so they have prolonged the war somehow 
to prevent the signing of the charter. Ooh, this is good. Okay, so we we get into this episode and the war is going on, right? And but how do we get it so that these other captains get back in time? So we'll we'll deal with that in a second. But the the war has been prolonged somehow, so that future guy has has prevented the signing of the charter because of this prolongation of the war. And this actually fits in with our movie because that was the whole thing in that is that they were again working to try and prevent the Federation from being formed and they kept failing. And so instead they were trying to break the Federation apart, you know, shortly after it is formed. So, cause they could never get to the point where they could do it before the signing of that charter. Ooh, this works. Ooh, excellent. I got to I got to phone Toronto right now and see if we can get on the discovery writing team. So I think yes. we can do some good work over there. You guys, I'll just take notes. I I I am only good at building on other people's ideas. I don't get them myself, so well, I, I love where this is going because that's a great way to end the episode in a similar manner the way the, this original episode ended where yes. you see Archer make the speech. So once the timeline is corrected, the episode ends with Archer walking out to make the speech about, you know, the founding, you know, finding the founding of the Federation or whatever. And instead of seeing Riker and Troy up in the balcony, you're seeing the three captains watching Ooh. him make his speech. <laughs> I like yes. that. Yes. Except well, they're actually captains. there, right? Because we're four captains. We've got Kirk, and we got Archer, and we got Janeway. Or, sorry, Kirk, Picard, uh, Janeway, and Sisko. So how would we work Kirk in with William Shatner? I guess, because at the time, well, he was only 10 years older than what he was in Generations. Mm-hmm. But this, this could be any time of Kirk. Like, this could be, yeah. you know, post-Star Trek six pre-Generations. You know, like, you know, we had we only had, what, 77 novels take place between Star Trek Six and and the start of Generations, right? We yeah. had like seventy seven novels take place in that tiny period of time. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just thinking of the actor himself. Would he look for the right for the part with it hey, being? We, you ever seen Forrest Gump, man? Come on. Yeah, I mean, they did that for a commercial. What what was that? I don't remember what it was. Where he look? He's on the bridge of from uh, the undiscovered country, and they made William Shatner look the age he did in the undiscovered country. Did they? I don't know. Yeah, I the can't only... remember what product it was they were selling, but there was a commercial where they did that. Was it that KFC commercial? Uh, I don't think it was. <laughs> what? This is a Star Trek KFC commercial. Go YouTube it. It's hilarious. So. Oh, wow. No, no but what I'm thinking, too, for this episode is because there's a gap of six years between uh, season four and then... 2161 the founding of the federation is the episode could span that period of time so maybe it's like one of the captains appears and they you know the mission fails and then you know then there's narration of you know one year later or two years later the war still going bad and then another captain appears and it's like all these missions are happening and the captains keep coming back to fix the timeline and get and it keeps getting skewed and whatever until they finally resolve it at the end Okay, well, let me ask you this question then. I was just, this idea just came to my mind right now. What, you know how people say that Future Guy is Archer? And, you know, some people have said that they thought that. What if we take that on a little bit of a tangent, a little bit, and what if somehow in that six-year gap, Archer got caught up and involved with the Temporal Cold War somehow, so he was not Future Guy but he was like the opposite of future guy and he got sucked into the future somehow, like let's say 28th century. Okay. I'm just spitting ideas here. And Archer had access to the history. And so it was him that would work like Daniels and he pulls all of these captains in together to get their help because he's in the 28th century and he knows that these are the best that Starfleet ever had to offer. And so he's recruited them to help stop something in the past. No, I can see that because now you're putting your main character as the person that is making all this happen. You know, not the one who's just going on for the ride. Right. Yes. I like it. So Archer is, is somehow got stuck in the cold war He's stuck in the 28th century, but he has access to the same technology that Future Guy does. So he he 
knows what the proper timeline is supposed to be because he's got access to whatever technology that he can he knows all the timelines and he recruits our captains from their peaks their peak time periods in order to work on this and then we I, I would say now at this point we could decide what timeline is peak for our captains and what do they look like right so i would say personally that peak cisco would be probably i would say I would want to put Peak Cisco as early season five, right before Rapture, right when he has that stuff with his brain and the Bahala and whatnot. Yeah, I would say probably pre that. Okay. Okay. You know, that's kind of fresh. Also, it'd be funny, and we could make a joke in the episode somehow with with Cisco, maybe. You know, Cisco and Kirk, like, this is just past Trials and Tribulations, just before Rapture. So we could have some kind of joke that would, like, do a callback to Trials and Tribulations with, with Kirk. Yeah, like, Kirk's like, you look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I think that'd be funny. I like and it. And so, like, I think peak Kirk would be... In my opinion, I think peak Kirk is sometime during the original series run. So you're like, going to make William Shatner look that young? Yeah. Okay. Why? It's our show. It's our movie. Why not? Okay. I'm, I'm we don't have to. Like, come back at me with another idea. Hey, they did it for Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay? If they can de-age that guy, they can de-age William Shatner. I understand, but William Shatner has been trying to de-age himself for quite a while and hasn't been that successful. With Are you kidding? <laughs> have you have you read the Shatner verse? He de-aged himself pretty well in those. Yeah, well, that's true in the books. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking personally. He looks great, though. But anyway. um, okay, yeah. So if, I I agree. So from the original series, that time frame, post uh, post assignment Earth. Let's just say post assignment Earth, okay. pre Spock's brain. So right between season two and three. Right, because we don't want to get Spock's brain involved in this no, episode at definitely all. Definitely not. Okay, okay, so then when would when would Prime Picard be? Um. Oh gosh, I keep thinking something. It it has, oh man, maybe I, I don't know why I keep thinking after Best of Both Worlds. I you know what? Too. I was thinking the same thing. Hey, okay, okay. So sometime in season four, yeah, se- season four Picard. What about like maybe so post? Do, do you want to go as late as like maybe say after the Drumhead, or do you want to be like closer to like just after Family? I guess I'm thinking closer to family. Okay, yeah, so too. so let's just say post family then. Right after he gets back from Earth, he's rested, he's recuperated. You know, he's he's buried the hatchet with his brother, so he's kind of on an upswing with his emotional stability. But maybe this mission will somehow impact him in ways that we can't foresee yet. And I just I just want to throw because this is going to get very complicated. This episode has to be a two hour, mm-hmm. five hour, well, <laughs> ten hour, a mini series. Okay, how about a three-hour, uh, well, maybe three episodes that makes up, you know. A three-episode arc, like in season yes. four. Yes. I, I was I was thinking like a 15-minute short trek. Oh, right. You can't even get all the captains in there in that time. Can we get Tilly in there? I mean, Tilly in there great. somewhere. Yeah, please. It's Captain Tilly. Well, yeah. we didn't. Know. At the time, no, we didn't have Discovery, so. <laughs> hey, uh, it's okay. my story. I can do whatever I want. When's Prime Janeway? Oh, gosh. Um, I almost want to say Year of Hell sometime after that. Another season four? Brandy, yeah. what do you think? I agree. Year of Hell? Okay, so what I'm going to put something interesting out there. You could say no. We can go Year of Hellish, which is middle of season four. What if it was just post-Caretaker? And she's like maybe at her lowest or post night. You know, so Night's the season five opener when she's like suffering from depression and whatnot because of, and she's like, at those two times, she's really questioning her decisions to keep these people in, in the, uh, Delta Quadrant. Delta Quadrant? Delta Quadrant, yes. (laughs) Yes, Too many quadrants. There's like four of them. Like, how am I supposed to remember all these? (laughs) Alpha, Gamma, uh, Delta... Is there a beta quadrant? I think there's a beta quadrant, right? Yeah. I think it would be interesting though, because we've got we got Cisco kind of coming off of a high. We've got 
Kirk at a good point. We got Picard coming off of a really bad thing, but getting better. And then we got Janeway at like maybe a dark time. So like we almost, then we would almost have all these captains in different, different mental states too. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So we don't want them at their best is what you're saying. Well, but no, we, we do want them at their best, but, the, <laughs> but night she is at her best. She's just questioning herself. Okay. Right. Yeah, because that's fine. yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, like how many times have you been like, you, you you've been down and depressed and whatnot. And then somebody's come to you and said, look, it's not that bad. And they try and boost you up a bit. Right. And it's, you know, still mentally, you don't feel like you're, you're at your best, but other people are telling you, you are, you know, like people have self doubt all the time. Yeah, but that's not how depression works. <laughs> I don't suffer from a lot of depression, so I don't know. Yeah, depression but... lies to you, lies to you, and it makes everything that you love seem like it's terrible, and it takes away your enjoyment of absolutely everything in mm -hmm. your life. And... Which is where she is at the end of night, or sorry, like in night, right? Yeah. So maybe this is just pre-night. Right, but uh, this is where Janeway is at this time. Yeah, but you know? I wouldn't call that necessarily depression because depression doesn't disappear when someone says, "Hey, you're doing a great job. Look at all the good you've done." Because no, that's... I understand that. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. No, no, no. Sorry if I gave that impression. No, that's not what okay. I'm saying. But okay. no, she's gotcha. she's at that point, right? Where okay. where. But somehow this temporal thing can let her know that, hey, you know, she is making the right decisions and these are important decisions that she's making, you know, right? Okay. Like, because at the end of night, she comes out of it when she has stuff to do and when she has, she has the ability to save her crew again, right? It doesn't have to be then. I just was just a thought. That's all. So. No, I, I get it. I get it. As someone who has suffered from depression, though, I just, I'm sorry. I, I got caught on that particular thing. My apologies. Yeah, let's change the subject. It's getting depressing. <laughs> No, it's it's getting sad. There's a difference. Oh, okay. It's getting sad. Sorry. Um, no, I mean, that time frame's fine. And as you're talking, I mean, th those sound great. I'm just trying to... I'm trying to think, get too complex. I mean, we're picking certain periods of points in their lives. So in a lot of ways, then, I feel like they have to learn something from this experience. Something that they take back to that moment. So if Janeway's in a dark place, maybe what she gets from this puts her on a better path okay. for example sure sure and, but i don't know well, well well we'll come to that in a minute like when we get through the episode we'll see what it is they learn but uh maybe this is taking place during night and she, while she's depressed and telling chakotay to screw off then she goes on this adventure this time adventure and then that's when she comes out and busts the gun out and be like yeah it's like saves the crew right like that's <laughs> during that episode is when this takes place <laughs> okay <laughs> that would actually that, and that would explains actually be fun. her change of attitude <laughs> yeah that's interesting that's i kind of like it like okay it. so so we so archer brings these captains future archer brings these captains to the future and uh and has to or actually no he doesn't have to bring him to the future you know where he could bring them is because daniels does stuff like this future archer could bring them to the signing of the charter <gasps> however it's like in ruins oh. or something like that okay what did you, you got excited so what was your thought no i like that i like them going into the past rather than him putting them all in the future because yeah to show them because it's a much more visceral thing to actually see that rather than just hear about it yeah. so i think that that would have a profound effect on all of them so i agree with that particular uh plot point is bringing them all to what should have been the signing of the charter except it's just a big ruined hole now this is so gonna be a hard episode to write yeah, that's why I said you need more time on it, <laughs> a longer episode. So what what would be the purpose of bringing them to that moment? To show them that the timeline has been changed? Because obviously the timeline hasn't been changed at that moment. It's prior to. Well, okay, so how about if... So he brings them to this timeline because 
to show them what happened and says, look, I need you guys to help me fix this because you guys are the best. And it's like one last adventure with them. But we've got Archer involved and he's at his best too. So I don't want Archer to be like taking a back burner. I want him involved as well. And so he says, we got to reset the timeline. He tells them about this temporal cold war and the captains say they don't know what they're talking about because from their timeline, the temporal cold war never happened maybe. And so he's telling about it. He says, this temporal cold war is going on. He explains what we've had. He, he recaps it for them and says, somehow they've changed this so that the Romulan war has gone on longer. And you captains have all had significant interactions with Romulans that have changed Federation interaction with Romulans in some way. And that's why you're important. Kirk had, you know, he may not have had it yet. So maybe then we got to change, but he's, you know, like we had Kirk with the enterprise incident, right? With the cloaking device. See, that's when we should get them. Okay, sure. That's fine. Okay. So when when they've all dealt with the Romulans, that's when you bring them back. Okay. So perfect. Okay. There we go. So this is, this is changing a little bit. So we got Kirk with the enterprise uh, enterprise incident. Um, We could have, we could have Picard just post unification then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We could have Cisco just post in the pale moonlight. Mm-hmm. And then we could have Janeway uh, back in season one post in the eye, uh, the eye of the needle. Yeah. Yes. Eye of the needle where she had that interaction yes. where they've all had different types of interactions with the Romulans. Right. But, but somehow these are really significant moments with Federation Romulan interaction. Kirk's kind of bad. Cisco's is bad from what we've seen, but actually ends up being good because of the, the treaty. Janeway's in the past. Maybe, you know, somehow Telic Remore's, uh files have come to light into the future and that's how he knows about it. You know, like Archer finds Telecromor's file buried on Romulus or something like that. And, uh, you know, Picard by dealing with Spock in the unification movement, like these are key events in all Romulan history. Ooh, see, there you go. That's why we're talking here. The writer's room. Awesome. Yeah. Because when he goes and he gets each captain after they just had a meeting with a Romulan or involvement with the Romulans, he can show up and just say, I need your help. This would have never happened. This event you just had, the Romulans, will cease to exist because the timeline has been changed. Mm-hmm. You know, he uses that as an opportunity. But the one thing I'm concerned about is we're ignoring the rest of the NXO one crew. So what if Archer recruits them <laughs> to go with him and help, and Archer goes and gets one captain, and Trip goes and gets another, Topol gets another. So, like, different crew members of the Enterprise are going and in gathering these captains instead of it just being Archer in every situation. Okay. That'd be interesting to get some of the crew involved. And so they've got to go, what, to the future and talk to them or, yeah. or what? Yeah. They're going to the future and talking to them. So maybe it's to that goes to get Kirk, you know, and Archer goes to get Picard and trip goes to get Cisco. So and so forth like that. Okay. I, don't know. I was just trying to think no, of a that- way to get them more involved. That can work because if Archer's in the future, he can, and he can bring them into the past or into the future, he could certainly bring anyone from the NX-01 that he wanted mm-hmm. to. So why wouldn't he bring the people that he trusts the most for this? I think we, before we get too far into this, we might, we have to deal with the big plot point here that's going to be the hardest nut to crack in this story is what, what does he need them to do? in the past what does he need them to fix and why does he need these people right is do they is it simply because they maybe it's simply because they've had the most experience with time travel out of any captains because all of these guys have had a lot of experience with time travel so that's why he's chosen them they'd be the most easily accessible also because they're the best but then we got to determine what it is that the reason is for them to Is there some kind of mission? Is there maybe there's like a key event in the Romulan War that ended up not happening, and he needs them to help? That the Enterprise, the NX01, was involved in, and oh, here we go. And I, maybe this is too much of a trope, but um, the Enterprise, the NX01, was ended up being destroyed on an attack. Right? You know, we've had that happen where you know something like Timeless, 
where the the Voyager crashes, right? But maybe in this, the future guy has caused Enterprise to be destroyed somehow. And so he's he's called this crew, these captains in to help prevent that destruction because it's a key battle in the war. Is that too tropey? No, I mean, I like it. It's just, it is, it's like, what's the thread? Why these four captains? Mm-hmm. The, the only thing I can think of at this moment, and this is too Star Trek tropey, is there's Q connected because Q has been in contact with at least three of the four, and you could say Trelane is a Q. And so you mm-hmm. could say that the only way to stop future guy, maybe he's part of the Q continuum in some manner or has some involvement and they're involved, and he needs these four captains because they're the only ones who know how to handle Q. They have experience with them. I don't know that I want to bring Q into it. I don't know. I don't either. That's why I say it's Star Trek tropey to bring Q yeah. into something like this. But it, what I guess what I'm getting at, if there's some kind of thread like that that threads these four to Archer and this time frame or something, that that's the key to me. It has to be there's some thread that has to be these four for some reason instead of, oh, they're just the best. You know, it's got to be something more. Okay, so then what if it's... What if it's we could we could invent a race? What if it's a lack of having one race involved and these captains are the best at negotiating because you know Kirk was involved with the peace at Kittimer. You know, Cisco was involved with bringing the Romulans into the war. Picard was involved with with numerous amounts of peace talks with aliens. Janeway was involved with that that mini federation in that uh that little Space Bubble. I can't remember the name of the episode right now. Um, where that was similar to the animated series episode, and she they they got sucked into this time warp, and there was that there was no way to get out unless they all worked together, and then they got out at the end. Do you remember the episode I'm talking about here? Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible at titles. So okay, I'm well I can look it up, but I don't know that it's necessarily important that we know the name of the episode. But um, yeah, we know uh, which episode you're talking about. But so they the, so they get them involved. So the te- so the temporal cold war has caused this alien race to not be in the Federation anymore, and that's the deciding factor in the war. And they've they've got these four people because they're the best negotiators. What do you think? No. Well, I'm just trying to. That's figure that's out. an idea. I think yeah. Um... <sighs> I'm just, I'm wondering if the thread should be, for some reason, it's Future Guy that grabs these captains and captures, like, they're trying, they're in a temporal cold war, and so they're trying to change the timeline, they change, they're doing something during the Romulan War, but then they want to prevent Kirk from succeeding, Picard from succeeding with the Borg, and Janeway succeeding you know, in the Delta Quadrant and Cisco with the prophets and whatever. Like, there's something where these are some of the key individuals that Future Guy is trying to remove to win the war. And when Archer is in the Temporal Cold War as an agent trying to fix things and save some, save it, save the universe and the timeline, he d- he finds these four captains in some kind of temporal realm. Uh, I think that's prisoners. That's probably better. You know what? I think that's better. I I, I like that. I think it's better because having them in the past to fix something, you know, that wasn't working. And I'm like, it's relying too much on the other crews being the heroes where this way it's our crew still being the heroes. Right. And then he can, he can rescue them. And employ them to join his crew in fixing these different parts of the timeline. And all of a sudden they go back, you know, we place, oh, it's been fixed here. Kirk is laid back in his timeline. Picard's put back now in his. We fix this in Cisco and, and life goes on and the timeline's restored. But they, I don't want them to just be prisoners and that's it. They've got to do something. But I think at the very end, like they join his crew in fixing something. Okay, so when they rescue him, then we have a battle with them all on the ship or something like that. Yeah. That's like the final battle, and it would be very exciting. Right. Okay, I like this better. Okay, so where Future Guy has taken them all out of their timelines, 
and Archer's the only one who's aware of it because he's in the future and he's a part of the Temporal Cold War. So what if we had an interesting start? What if the, the opening of the episode then, what if it was Spock on the bridge of the Enterprise D as captain in, say, post post-insurrection timeline. Okay. And we get this opening scene where where so where Spock oh, you know what? There we go. Spock is captain of the Enterprise D post-insurrection. So okay? not the E, because the, the E was right. Okay. Not the E, but the D. Right. And on his crew, we have they're talking, they're on the bridge. We've basically got the next generation crew, but but Spock is captain instead of Picard. And they're talking about some recent failures of the Federation. Like they're having a staff briefing where they talk about the loss of Voyager uh, and how Voyager was lost at the Battle of Bajor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they read a report that talks about uh, the Defiant also being exploded and dying at this timeline. And so this is how we, as the viewers, are brought into not... uh, brought into, this is weird, something weird is going on here. Like, it's just completely abstract and completely bizarre. Well, and if it's taking place post-insurrection, the Enterprise D is going to be a dead giveaway to something being wrong. Yeah. But they're all wearing, like, the black and dark uh, uniforms. Right? right, so Spock would be around. So, this is how we know something is weird, and we get Archer coming in and meeting with Spock and saying, "Look, we've got to rescue the crew to save the timeline." And he tells Spock about the Temporal Cold War, right? And then that way we get Spock involved because why the hell not? Right? Let's make this crazy as heck. No, I like this, because I can see Archer's telling Spock, we need to rescue these people, and he says, you know, Kirk is one of them. And Spock is like, well, Kirk died over a hundred years ago. He's still alive? You know, and it's almost like, Jim's still alive. Jim's still alive, yeah, because he thought Jim Kirk died, because these are when they were taken, were these weird timelines. And somehow, then, in order to make this work, they have to employ, because I've been dying for it to come back, is the Guardian of Forever. Oh, yeah. Okay? So, somehow the Guardian of Forever is tied into the Temporal Cold War. That that could actually make sense, yeah. Okay, so yes, I love this. I think this is a great idea. Yes. Having the Guardian of the Galaxy involved, and I think the we galaxy? just... The Guardian of the Guardian. Galaxy? The Guardian of the Galaxy. Oh, boy, this is the craziest <laughs> spin-off. Guardian of Forever is what I meant. <laughs> but uh, I think now that we've got this involved, and I think we've finally broken the story, I think we got to continue this next week. Yep, I think that's the right and proper thing to do. Next week? You mean i got to, like, uh, think about this for another week? We do. Oh, excellent. Right on. Let's continue this next week. I think this is a great idea and we got to, we got to devote some time to this because this has been really interesting. So talking about the guardians of the galaxy is not the only thing we've been discussing here on the network this week. So please take a listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. However, one thing Everyone's I do Everyone's going to sing the song. Everyone join me. Life. No, I will not join you. I'm sorry. Okay, however... Meta Treks. Speaking of character, I always found it interesting how many ways Q manifests himself, the characters that he takes on. We see him as a Starfleet commander, a Bajoran waiter. We see him as an alien captain. Uh, this this is just a, a cosplayer. This is a man of many faces. Who knew Q was such a theater geek? The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. I felt like I was in a Vegas casino and the bling, bling, yeah. bling. Like it, 
was the jackpot. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? How is she affecting the replicators and that's throwing food out? I've never seen a replicator throw food out. Melodic tricks. Well, it was definitely about a lower budget. There was no question that we could not afford Jerry Goldsmith. And later, by the time we got to do Star Trek VI, we couldn't afford Jamie Horner. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and a written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the mp3 file from our website or grab the rss link as well brandy we would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode but not telepathically so there are other ways for you to do that the best place of course to join in the larger conversation is the babel conference which is our listeners group on facebook all you need to do is go to facebook and the search field and type babel like b-a-b-e-l okay and it'll come right up, all right? But if you'd like to send us an email, and we do love emails, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us, and you can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. Bruce, where can people find you when you're not guarding the galaxy? Well, you can find me on Twitter at admiral underscore rex guarding the galaxy of Twitter as best as I can, and I've been failing at that. But and you can also find me on the Star Wars Report, Talking Star Wars, and you can find me here on the network on Literary Treks and with Brandy doing Live from the Edge. Woo! Brandy, where can people find you when you're not kidnapping all of the favorite captains so you can keep them in your basement? <laughs> you picked the right place for me to keep them, oh yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, you can find me. On the network on Live from the Edge with Bruce. And you can also uh, find me on a podcast with my lovely husband, Dave, called The Dark Corner Podcast at darkcornerpodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at Brandywine12, and I'm lurking in the Babel Conference from time to time. So, Brandon, (laughs) when you're not busy trying to remember the closing copy from memory... Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella, where I tweet some weird tweets every once in a while, tweeting about the tweet. Uh, I try not to twerk while I'm tweeting, uh, but, you know, I like to do lots of fun stuff. You can find me here on the Network of Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. And I have just wrapped up last week my my Halloween retrospective uh, with my friend Zach Moore from Standard Orbit over on the Talk Film Society. That was a lot of fun, I'm sure, because as of the recording, I still technically haven't seen the last film yet. Uh, but you can also... Find me on the Fandom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom, where we talk about Alfred Hitchcock films, and that's a lot of fun. And every once in a while, I poke my head up in the Cinematic Sound Radio Master Feed with my show Breaking the Waves, which is all about electronic film scores. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Just visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Brandy, do you have a list of all the temporal hostages? I do have a list of the temporal hostages, but I'm having a moment trying to find them, and I apologize. Well, I've got it right here. No, let me do it. Let me do it. I want to do it so much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to do it. I never get to do it. I don't want to go all next generation on you and, like, take over the show. Yeah, I would appreciate that. Okay. (sighs) Sorry. It took... Everything's taking longer right now for on my computer's stupid new OS. Okay, so... 
At this time, we would like to release our temporal hostages back out into the world, and they are Norman Seelau, Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Oser, Mark Flessa, Chris Trebuzio, and Jim McMahon. We thank you are you free. So- go. <laughs> you are free. Go, go fly, go. little birdies. Yes, go fly away, and if you come back to me, I know that you truly love me. <laughs> Sorry, that got weird. And we appreciate your support of the Trek FM network and specifically your support of Warp 5. We couldn't do this without you. That's strange. Floyd Dorsey's hot wiring that bus over there. He's trying to get out here as fast as he can. I can't blame him. I'm pretty (laughs) terrible. Well, join us again next week as we try and finish this crazy story, this crazy rewrite. But until then, keep calm and boom on.